Welcome to the Earthian Podcast, where I explore the everyday stories, emotions, and realities that make up the human experience as we know it on Earth. Today's guest lives in San Francisco, California, by way of Philly. We met in school where we spent countless hours working late into the night in the studio. He's a maker and a builder, a young soul with old school ways, who loves to open doors and dance to funky music. He's a type of person that lights up any room he walks into. In this conversation, we talk about his optimism in dark times, living life based on other people's expectations, and how he's dealt with death in his life. I hope you enjoy my conversation with my good friend, Isaiah Jones. I feel like it's like there's life is definitely a game and you definitely have to play the cards not correctly, but you have to be thoughtful in your decisions. I'm not saying that you can only be friends with people that are having good jobs and all that stuff, because that is definitely not true. Um, I'm just saying that like where I'm from and I'm from over Derby, Pennsylvania, and it's really when you go to Upper Derby, Pennsylvania, it's like a normal place, but everyone kind of gets stuck in a cycle from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like the saying of it takes a village to village to raise a child. And if the village is raising the child, the child's going to end up like everyone else in the village. Right. And you get stuck in this cycle. And that's kind of what Upper Darby is. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to a lot of just family members and friends. And some people have done well. Some people have not done so well. Um, but you, you kind of become what you see. Exactly. Yeah. You become what you see. Um, because what I've spoken to my parents about is like, you just don't know anything else. You might see yep. some dude rolling down the street on a dirt bike doing wheelies all day, which is very common. You're like, that's dope. I want to do that. That's illegal. Yeah. Don't do that. But say you start doing it. You get a dirt bike, start learning how to wheelie, hang out with these dudes. Oh, they also are drug dealers. Oh, this is how they make money. I can make money doing this. Hell yeah. Mm. Boom. You start selling drugs. I got a nice income. I got a nice dirt bike. I know how to do cool wheelies. I got a car. Like, you know, (laughs) all these things. And this is just one small, super narrow niche uh, example. But basically, you tend to become the things that you're surrounded by. Yep. And I'd say the one thing that went differently for me is that I went to a different school than everyone else in my family. I went to a like super bougie private school, um, which a bunch of dudes with a bunch of dudes that like wore blazers to school every day. Um, and I hated it for like the first two days. And then I was like, this is dope. <laughs> <laughs> Saw the art department. I was like, this is rad. Um, but there's something about going to that school and meeting one of my best friends ever who I remember this is a I let me know if I'm going too far off tangent but I'm gonna loop it back around one of the biggest like life-changing moments at that school was when one of my best buddies uh told me that his brother we were looking I was looking on the Volkswagen website um whenever and I was looking at the new GTI and I was like oh this is so sick they changed the design it looks so rad and my friend came over and he was like um oh yeah that car is pretty sweet my brother just got that and i was like hmm like this just came out he didn't get this and he's like i'm not kidding and i'm totally like calling out like josh on this shit i'm like i must say 
yeah, no one goes in this dress, whatever. Like, I'm like, Josh, you're totally bullshitting me right now. And he's like, I'm not kidding. I'll go get the key and we can go outside. I'm like, right, this motherfucker go get the key. <laughs> I was like, I don't believe you. Let's go. So, like, being in, like, my mind, being the car guy, I'm like, oh, he probably has, like, last year's model or something like that. Like, maybe it's the Jetta, but it's just a VW logo. He's like, oh, yeah, this is GTI, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, we go out there, there's a freaking brand new GTI sitting in the in the uh, student parking lot because his brother was a senior at the high school. And I was like, what the heck? This is insane. Mm. At the time, I didn't have my first car, but my first car ended up being a $1,200 Mitsubishi Eclipse. Absolute garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just mind blown that someone so young could have mm. something so cool. Mm-hmm. And I remember going for rides in it and like, this is such a fun fast car and like going on road trips in it going to robotics competitions in it and everything it was so mind-blowing that this was what someone's lifestyle was Mm -hmm. that was the same exact age as me now his family it didn't buy that car it was a gift from i believe his grandfather or whatever but um the moral of the story is that like not everyone has not everyone has the life you have and not saying that your life sucks it's just saying that there's different lifestyles and you can do a lot of different things and you can totally um not everyone has the shitty first car experience i guess is what i'm saying and there are people that are just like living fun comfortable chill lives and that was a a huge eye-opening moment for me that like was very inspiring for me to just keep striving because now i know that there's something greater out there Mm. so that that was your first exposure to something different that was my first exposure to something different but it hit me in a way that i could relate which was through cars right i already knew that i was going to a cool Mm. main like mainline school and everything that had a nice campus and everyone was so nice everyone was so smart all this stuff Mm. but it was the but i was like i don't really care about that but there was that moment of like oh shoot I can work towards that. Mm -hmm. And then you put that goal down and you're like, all right, if I just put my head down and really work hard through this high school, then that'll set me off in a better direction. Yeah. If I do robotics and try really hard, then maybe that'll help me get into a college or something like that. It was definitely a eye opening experience of learning that there's something more than what's inside of, uh, upper Darby. Yeah, and then going to his house was a completely different story. But you can you can get you can guess like right. it's just like rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle has this rad uh, bit about talking Is it about his new one, one of his new ones. It's one of the new ones on Netflix. Yeah. It's a specific bit, and he's talking about uh, when he because I think I guess he went to a super nice preppy school, or whatever as well. Yeah, and his parents <laughs> went to go pick him up one time, and they were like. Y'all need to set your game up because <laughs> everything in Timmy's house works. <laughs> so that's freaking hilarious. I was like, I totally oh, know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, there was another one. He said something like, "We were, we were, we had just enough money to move into a neighborhood where we were the brokest yeah. people yeah. in that neighborhood." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that pretty oh, good. Man. Yeah, that was funny. Okay. Um, how but what, what were we talking about that? We were getting uh, How did I get onto that? Because I was saying I was going to loop it back around. 
We we didn't loop it back around. We didn't loop it back. <laughs> um, it was. How do you think other people perceive you? That's oh, what, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, I think I think that's that's an interesting exploration though. Uh, yeah, I I think I, what the the connection was that that's where it started that I wanted to do something different and mm. care a little bit more about life mm-hmm. and try and actually basically try. Yeah. That's when I wanted to try. Maybe that's it. Boom. There's your answer. People see that I am trying, and people see that I am working hard to do something cool and to have cool things at the end of the day. And that was the first time that I learned that life can give you cool things yeah. if you work hard. So what what has your move to San Francisco shown you? <sighs> A lot of things. Um, San Francisco. I feel like not much happened my first four years here because I was in school and I didn't really know where I was and what was around me. Um, but the past two years of being out of school, um, it took me, it's easy to be here and just be like, oh, I'm just working in San Francisco and trying to figure stuff out. And, and you kind of forget that you're living in one of the biggest cities in the country and one of the most expensive cities in the comp- in the country. And for a while I was pretty down when I was like an intern and working at uh, this company tech shop as well for a couple nights out of the week and just busting my butt just trying to like be able to afford to eat it was pretty it was a pretty crappy time mm-hmm. like it sucked because um, you feel so honestly poor mm-hmm. you feel so I don't I shouldn't say poor because I don't know being poor really you just feel like you have no, you can't go anywhere. You feel trapped. Especially when you're contrasted with the people that are here. Exactly. Like there's, there's people with a lot of money here. Yeah. So if you look at yourself and compare yourself to them, it's like, oh yeah. Which is one thing I, I describe San Francisco. It's like, when I first moved here, I describe it as, or I describe my experience as like, I feel like shit when I look at the people around me, which then motivates me to do something, mm-hmm. which is kind of superficial, but it's, it's, it's something that happened to me. So, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened to me in high school. Yeah. I looked at the GTI and I was like, I don't have a GTI. My parents can't afford a GTI. Yeah. Maybe I should do something to afford a freaking GTI. Yeah. Um, and it's just a, I don't know. I've, I definitely am a person that's a visual like learner and clearly that was a visual thing that like was able to give me feedback and be like oh maybe you should do that mm-hmm. but back to the, the story yeah like San Francisco is definitely a, one of the like richest places in or one of the places with the most money in the United States and it may, if you're not one in the top 5% or whatever you feel absolutely broke mm-hmm. um, maybe not 5% but like if you make less than six figures, you feel like you do nothing. You're just blending in. There's no point in you being here. You're basically just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a long time to stop feeling like garbage because of that. And I had to realize that like, I'm like 20, well, at the time I was like 22, graduating or 23 or whatever. And then that a lot of people just that just happens to people like people either get lucky or p- 
people work harder than you that was a hard thing for me to realize as well that mm -hmm. like although you work hard people work harder than you um and people are smarter than you and it, it takes a lot of being honest with yourself and then once you swallow that pill then you can actually start being buckling down being like all right how do we just take the next steps from here yeah um, how did you reconcile that how did you deal with that 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 co confronting yourself and saying like maybe i'm not good enough in these ways mm -hmm. and i can't compare it to them in these ways how did you deal with that i think i dealt with it in a lot of ways that a lot of people here deal with it which is trying to sell yourself into thinking you could start a business mm -hmm. and you're like you know what i'm gonna they did it i'm gonna start a business mm -hmm. i'm gonna my thing was the ice cream truck mm -hmm. i had done this ice cream truck with my buddy in college and we wanted to just we designed had, it. We designed it. Yeah, we designed it. Um, had a livery for it and everything, but it was like an autonomous ice cream truck. It was cool. It was a sweet idea. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to make a bunch of money doing it, and then I'll be able to be rich and everything. And then what I started doing was coming home after work every day, working on it. I would think about it at work. Like, yeah, I can't wait to get home, figure out these next three slides on this thing start working on the bill of materials and everything for this truck. I'm going to get this thing together, start working on, uh, figuring out like maybe what VC companies I can pitch it to who might be interested. Maybe I could just sell the idea to a company mm. and you just go on this super long tangent of, uh, working hard on this idea, which for some people works for me, it did not work. It was a huge fucking distraction. And why, I, why it, didn't it work? It didn't work because I don't think I was ready to give up being... I wasn't honest with the fact that I couldn't do that 100% and do work 100%. And in order for me to really get that truck to be a thing, it would take just honestly so much work, so much money, so much stress for something that might work. Mm -hmm. And at the time I felt like this is the only time I have if I don't do this right now I'm never gonna have any money and you know when you are at that point or when you're maybe you can agree just being here because things happen overnight you feel like this is the moment to do it if I don't do this right now I'm gonna lose this moment yeah. and then I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life well yeah I'm 32 like I said and people my age feel like we're past our, our opportunity point like yeah. okay you wanted to get rich it's over for you you're done you have no other you don't have no other chance you have no other time and I I felt like that when I was 25 too mm -hmm. and I felt like that when I was just started college I think we just always feel like oh damn I wish I would have started when like five years ago when I was in middle school yeah <laughs> <laughs> right because you hear these stories about people who, who have done great things like you hear about these amazing people like um, like Idris Sandu, I don't know. Remember the video, the um, the video I sent you. Idris Sandu, he worked at Snapchat, Facebook, worked at a bunch of these companies. Um, no, people like Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, they graduate school, boom. They didn't. They didn't even graduate. They just come out a billionaire. Yeah. And you're like, ah, damn, it's over for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late for me now. You know. Another one, the NBA. Yeah, NBA, right. NFL. I had friends going into the NFL that I went to high school went to high school with. And I'm like, man, they're doing that. Mm. I remember like looking up, seeing how much my friend got signed for. He got signed for like two million bucks, mm. and I was just like, man, he got two million bucks. Yeah, what am I doing with my life? What man? am I doing, man? Yeah. Like, 
I'm over here like scooping up human shit at the back of tech shop <laughs> because we got hella homeless people in San Francisco and this sucks. Like it it it, it can beat you up so much because you just feel so behind. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because we're in a bubble. Mm-hmm. We're in a bubble and you go anywhere else, not necessarily anywhere else, but like for me I go back home and people are like, "Oh, you have a steady job and you're mm. 24?" Oh my goodness. You don't have any kids? Yeah. Oh, wow. You and you're are... not on drugs? Oh my goodness. Yeah. You're you're the thing that they're looking to be, but is like they're they're saying that it's too late for me. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like and you and after you hear them say anything like that, all those thoughts of being like, "Oh, I'm a piece of garbage. I don't I can I can't even start a business if I wanted to. I can't even sit down and work on a freaking ice cream truck." because it stresses me out because I don't have enough time to do it. Mm-hmm. Or by other people are like, dude, you're living the dream lifestyle right now. Yeah. And that's, is going to be a tangent. So yeah, let me yeah. know if I go off. But like, um, the first thing is this video that really changed me. Uh, I watched it after I graduate. And then the second thing is being, looking at things from like my kid's point of view or like my mindset when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So remind me about the second one. Okay. if I forget it but the first one is this video I watched and it was a guy in a wheelchair uh, it's all like animated and it's like a front view so everything's like lined next to each other but basically say in lane one there's a guy in a wheelchair or maybe in lane one there's a guy in a hospital bed lane two there's a guy in a wheelchair that maybe is paralyzed from the waist down guy in the wheel in the bed in the hospital bed is looking over at the guy in the wheelchair like man fucking wish I had that guy's lifestyle Mm -hmm. wheelchair go to walking with a cane maybe walking with a cane to x y and z go to like the crappy car that barely runs then to the normal basic car that runs perfectly to the Lamborghini to the helicopter to the jet to the shuttle that takes you to Mars whatever it may be there's always going to be someone that's looking up to you saying I want your lifestyle you're fucking killing it like the one of the things I've been I wrote down like my notes of things I want to solve is just being happy with what you have currently my brother told me that once I graduated that he's like yo you're doing good like you should take a moment let off the gas pedal and just fucking cruise get a nice steady job cruise Mm -hmm. and enjoy it because you're doing good yeah um I think we have but it's hard to pause yeah I have the same problem of, like, if I do something good, if I do something that I I got my goal, I'll celebrate it for, like, a day. And immediately, I'll come, I'll go right back to, like, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. I need more. (laughs) You you fall right off. I need a hustle, blah, 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 all this stuff. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, it beats you up. But the second point about now looking at it as if you were a kid, like yourself as a kid I'm looking at myself I'm thinking like you know the saying of like what would yourself at 15 years of age think about how you are right now mm-hmm. and I thought about that and I was like shit you probably think I'm pretty damn cool like <laughs> I remember I sent you a message a, a while ago and I was thinking about when I was thinking about moving to East Bay I was thinking about moving to Oakland and paying less rent and buying a Mustang because when I was in school I was like if I can afford like a $20,000 Mustang when I graduate I'm gonna be doing all right Mm -hmm. 
like that would be me being okay and then I graduate get a job working working here and then like living in some apartment and then cutting all the bills super close just so that I can be comfortable which I can't help that I like to be comfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> I can be comfortable and close to work and um it took a while for me to notice that like you don't have to be spending all this money you could be commuting like the other half of the people in the Bay Area, driving back of course back and forth across the street. You don't have to be driving the piece of crap. Oh yeah. Like nineteen eighty nine Mustang I had at the time. You could have something decent. Mm-hmm. But you want the convenience of living close to work. Yeah. And I was finding myself back and forth on that constantly, like, ah, should I move? Does this make sense? I like had an offer to move in my friend's place for like a thousand bucks a month and save five hundred dollars a month. That's enough for a fucking Mustang. Mm-hmm. or at least to like save up for one or pay one monthly whatever like that's enough for a Mustang but fast forward to today um, I was thinking about this uh, a couple weeks ago and I was just super down I had I was like man I don't have that much money and everything kind of like work was a mess and um, I was just kind of down about a bunch of things I'm like oh, this just all sucks and then I had to think about it for a second I was like wait a minute I'm living in like this super rad city, driving a freaking cool motorcycle that's mine and living in a cool apartment in a cool place. I have great friends. I have my family still for the majority, the most part alive. Mm-hmm. I have so many things right now. And I was like, and I asked myself the question, like, would my, if I like, if my 16 year old self would see me right now, what would they think? It'd be like, Oh, he's into motorcycles. Interesting. That's dope as fuck, though. He's got a big That's dope. Um, and that totally lifted up my mood. Yeah. So, so there, here's an interesting question. What, at the moment that you were questioning yourself mm-hmm. and you were down about where you are in your life, instead of convincing yourself and going down that rabbit hole more, why or how did you refer back to your 16 year old self is that a recurring theme what is that what caused you to do that Mm -hmm. because some people might be like and they would never think of the 16 year old self they would just think man my life sucks yeah and period that's it um i think because i have a i've learned on a couple occasions that my mind specifically i have a very problem solving mind and i like to come up with a solution to get me out of a crappy mood Mm. and I do it a lot and I've been trying to do it over the past couple of weeks as well it's just like what can I do because I know that when I have crappy thoughts I know it's just temporary because like I said before I'm a pretty positive person mm-hmm. and I know I'm just going through it like a crappy rut or whatever it may be um, why do you know that because a lot of people don't know that like when you go through a depression a lot of people don't they they don't see a a positive side. They Mm. just see never-ending sorrow. Mm. And I've experienced that. How do you... How do you know that? How do I know that when I'm going through something negative that it's just temporary? Mm -hmm. What do you say to yourself? One, I literally say that this is temporary. Um, I also say, like... I just think of memories and I'm like... Was this how I was feeling yesterday like uh, no you were feeling pretty good yesterday or how I was feeling a week ago now you're feeling pretty good then um 
I don't know. I just look to. I have so many, like tools in my toolbox of things that can put a smile on my face, mm. and I know that if those things can put a smile on my face, then I'm still there. Like I'm still up here. I'm still the happy guy. I just might have a fucking filter over my face right now or my eyes right now that make me feel like I'm a little bit low. Mm-hmm. Um, What's in that toolbox? Uh, definitely motortrend.com. <laughs> Motortrendondemand.com, which is like Netflix for cars, essentially. And mm-hmm. I can just go watch a show about cars and it'll make me happy. Mm. Um, that toolbox is definitely my girlfriend. Mm definitely called her on a couple on multiple occasions just saying like i'm feeling like crap I'm like can i just come over and hang out and she just puts me in a good mood my friends you and angela mm-hmm. going out to dinner and just kicking it reminding me that like this is the cool people that i have in my life right now my bike definitely being able to go for rides mm-hmm. um and it's funny even when you're doing these things it takes a moment because like you have that voice in your head saying, like, nah, this is nothing. Like, you're chilling. Like, this sucks yeah. right now. Well, it becomes the norm. It Anything becomes... that's new becomes the norm. Exactly. Yeah. And it feels like this is it for forever. But by using these things in my toolbox, I'm able to slowly dig myself out of a hole. Yeah. Or, if not dig myself out of a hole, realize that I'm in a hole. Mm-hmm. And be like, all right, I'm in this hole until the ground builds back up to fucking sea level or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that those are definitely some of the things that I thought that everyone does that, and maybe a lot of people do that, but like my girlfriend definitely told me, she's like, it's so interesting that you are so like problem-solving oriented to getting yourself out of these holes. Mm. And I think it's just because I don't like being, I don't like being the Isaiah that I, I don't like not being the Isaiah I described earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't like being the not bubbly dude and having all the cool, fun, interesting thoughts. Yeah. It bums me out when I'm not that Isaiah, and it it just totally sucks. Have you ever tried to just sit in that state of being that Isaiah, the, the Isaiah that you don't necessarily like? The down, disappointed Isaiah? I haven't tried just sitting with it and just marinating in it and letting the thoughts come Mm -hmm. because honestly this is all like fresh this is just like recently a thing that happened and as the thoughts were coming in I'm like why am I having these thoughts these are weird these are scary like getting anxiety from it freaking out and like I'm not supposed to have these thoughts what are these thoughts um like am I depressed what's going on and um then you just end up clashing thoughts and that just makes you frustrated and creates more anxiety. And so after speaking about it with a couple of people and realizing that I wasn't going insane and that this shit happens to everyone, it was kind of a... One, I felt a little bit like an asshole because, (laughs) like, it's like, oh, little Isaiah's not happy, oh. (laughs) And I was like, all right, damn it, I do sound like an asshole. But also it was like a thing, like, I've been trying to just let you feel like sometimes when those thoughts come in you I put up like my my punching bags or my my I hold up my hands like I'm ready to fight and like I'm gonna knock all these negative thoughts out Mm -hmm. and after speaking with people and realizing that it doesn't help to knock those thoughts out sometimes you just gotta sit with it 
take a deep breath and just let it flow through no matter how dark the or how like sad the thoughts are um you just gotta gotta sit with it and i was like fuck and then i started sitting with it and i had to change the way i was sitting with it because i sat with it in my bed and i have a very bland room and i hate it 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 annoys the hell out of me so what i did a couple of days after work was i took my bike which i love riding and I went up to Twin Peaks, which is a nice lookout spot. Mm. Turned off the bike once I got up there. Just sat, looked out at the city and talked to myself. Mm. And it grounded me pretty pretty nicely. Um, it was sadly just a temporary thing and I got back into the stupid rut. But like, it was nice to be able to go up there. Another thing that I added to my toolbox. Like, mm-hmm. go on a ride, go to a place where you can just sit and look out. Yeah. Um, and focus... Okay. Especially something like that, like going to Twin Peaks, looking at the city. It's yeah. like something I used to do was just uh, go to the ocean and just look out at the ocean and think, if there's a wave that's like 20 feet high that just comes right now, yeah, I'm a goner. Yeah. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> it makes you feel small in a way, and that, that kind of humbles you and makes you, it puts perspective on what you're going through. Like, I'm not going through shit right now. Exactly. I, we can take this part out, but, like, my boss is currently going through, or we don't have, whatever. Um, I overheard, like, a conversation of someone talking about their father taking, having chemotherapy right now. Mm. And in my, like, week and a half of feeling like garbage, it's like, man, I've been feeling like garbage, and this person's been dealing with their father on pretty much with cancer like my my problems do not that it just made me feel it didn't make me feel like my problems were nothing it didn't make me feel like I didn't like belittle my issues but it just put in the context that like again things could be worse there's always that dude in the in the hospital bed wishing that they were me walking around like having these thoughts so like oh yeah I could deal with that um, there's always someone feeling it a lot worse. And when you put into context that you're actually still pretty blessed and being able to do a lot of things that a lot of people aren't able to do, it kind of calms you down a little bit. And it kind of shuts up that like demon voice in the back of your head a little bit. Yeah. Um, isn't there a little, the de- little demons like, oh shit, you're right. You got that point. You got me there. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I still got your toes moving and everything. You got me. You got me. Um, yeah. What was it? Yeah, I don't even know what question we were answering. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's good. It's interesting stuff. I was stoked to do this because I'm like, oh, Dustin's going to learn about me. Yeah. <laughs> that's the goal. That's the goal. Um, I'm curious how you grew up. How I grew up. Yeah. That's a good one. Just like... Um, how specifically, I think, how your parents raised you. Mm-hmm. Your relationship with your family, your your brother, mm-hmm. um, how that influenced you to be who you are. Um. So I grew up in a very, eh, I'd say my my parents were definitely on the scale of being strict. They were pretty strict, not very strict. What does that mean? Like, they, like give us some real things. Like, you want some real? Okay, so. One of the things that, like, 
One, I was a little, honestly, I was a little bitch. Mm. I was, <laughs> I was a little bitch. Um, my mom could yell at me for like, just like sit down, like, not crazy, not like oh beat you behind, like, just mm. sit down. If I, if I was like maybe like thirteen or something like that, maybe not that old, but whatever. She could say something like that. I'll just burst into tears. Mm. It was just the like I was like. Ooh. Uh, and, and now I'm crying and feeling like garbage. Like right. you ask my mom that she'll tell you any day. Isaiah will cry immediately after anyone yells at him. Yeah. Um, I was a, I was quite the softy. I was a nerd. I was a total nerd. Did that start when you went to school at that school? It was always the case. I was always a I was also always a little nerd. I'd for Christmas love to get the connects and Lego Brocks and there's a really awesome photo of me that I have to find I have to have my mom send me now of me in our living room on a Christmas more Christmas night maybe uh after I assembled all these different connects in our living room Mm -hmm. and our living room was we didn't have a big house but like our living room was just filled with all these different contraptions that I built and there's like little me on the little step on the back (laughs) and I'm just like yeah like I was really stoked you're gonna have Um, to send me that picture for the yeah, when I post this up. Yeah, that would be that's a good photo. But yeah, I, I think that that'll be worth it because that that photo is literally Isaiah. Yeah, that's literally Isaiah. Um, but yeah, that um, I yeah I was I was a little nerd, and my brother was definitely brought up in a similar way, very respectful, having to open the door and everything. But we had different schooling for the most part, different education. So I think that's probably where I differed the most. But a lot of things changed, or before I go into education and stuff, my, um, just the way I was raised by my parents was very, it's probably a big reason as to why I'm like this. Um, Like, I'm a respectful person, I respect my elders, and just respect people in general, and I, one of the things that one of the biggest things I learned from my parents that probably turned me into a bit of a softy and not wanting to fight everyone is it's just not worth it. Like, How did that become a real lesson for you, though? Because you hear that. I yeah. heard that from my, my dad yeah. growing up. Didn't really change how I acted. So what was there something that happened that was like, okay, I see the consequences. I can see what, I see what can happen. I mean, just... Growing up in Philadelphia, I guess, you see all the things that happen. You get mixed up with the wrong group of people. It's one of the things I was told a lot. You get mixed up with the wrong group of people, and bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, there was this one time that my um, brother was hanging out with someone that maybe he shouldn't have been hanging out with as much, mm-hmm. and he had to go somewhere and his friend like saw his cousin or something like that long story short my brother got like shot in the leg and Damn. yeah it was in my mom's car he was fine it like fine afterwards but like got shot like that's just crap that happens in philadelphia and i feel like there is just and then you pair that situation with my mom saying see if you weren't there in the first place hanging out with that knucklehead this wouldn't have been happening and you witnessing as a kid yep how old is your brother? How how much older is he than you? He is eleven years older than me. So that's that's a pretty big uh, difference in age. Yeah. Because me and my brother went we're the, we're like two years apart, mm-hmm. and we experienced things together. 
so it's different. Yeah. For example, if I had gotten shot in the leg, he would have been there with me. Going so through he it might have you. experienced oh, okay. the same thing as me. Like, he might have been just as angry as I was, or whatever, whatever happened, right? Whereas you are witnessing your older brother come in with this leg shot, and now your mom is saying, see, if you wouldn't have been there, yeah. and you're like, okay, yeah. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> I still got time. I'm not going to be there. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, you get to, it's honestly, having a, a sibling that's so much older than you gives you a chance to really watch, you don't really pay attention to it because you're a kid, but it gives you a chance to really watch others' decisions and see what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to be like, all right, I already got a cheat code on this list of things I need to do. Right. I'm going to do all that stuff. Like. Um, another thing, everyone has kids when they're super young in Philadelphia. Mm, mm-hmm. I noticed that you're not supposed to do that shit. I don't want to have kids at yeah. like at like 18 years old. Yeah. Happened in my family multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, they their kids are adorable. They're great. They love them, but it's just like that. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional, and it stunted their career. Right. Um, so I learned from that lesson. Pair it with the lesson of learning with the GTI. Work really hard, do this. Yep. Um, and I was able to just... I feel like these are when I started to really figure out those switches. Yep. And started to pair up like, I need to... Not I need to. I can be this person that... I can be my true self here with this like switch. I can be my true self here. I can be a slightly more... Um, ignore that. I don't know where I was going with that. But basically, these are those points where I was able to start um, tuning all those different switches of, I should be a very, I should be, I should listen to my parents, I shouldn't uh, be hanging out with people that are clearly up to no good, um, because those people that are clearly up to no good, although they look really cool, they're not really that cool. And they don't lead to this car that i want over here exactly they're not going to help me get this gti in a yeah. in an awesome legal way exactly yeah and you start like seeing all these different uh pieces of the puzzle come together yeah okay what scares you the most what scares me the most hmm i'm gonna start broad my fears definitely fear me the most well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say no shit to that Not one. Sure. <laughs> um, what fears me the most? I want to say, I, I used to say that I was afraid of not getting what I want. Mm. I used to What say, was your reaction to that? What was the feeling of fear? Um, my old feeling of fear was just like being bummed. Like, ah. Uh, if I don't do this now, I'm not going to... Like, when I had the ice cream truck, if I don't do this ice cream truck, I'm not going to amount to anything. I'm not going to really have... I'm not going to make any money because this is the only way I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it would just make me feel what my equivalent... It would make me feel my equivalent of sad. Mm-hmm. That wasn't freaking sad. Like, that was nothing. That was just, like, um, this, like, thought of not attaining this crazy goal or whatever it may be. But, um, I'd say, I'd I'd say what my, what what am I most afraid of? 
I was pretty afraid for a while of losing my mom. Mm. I'm definitely still pretty afraid of that. Um, what does that feel like? I feel... It's like when you have something that grounds you and then it gets taken away mm. and then um, you look around and you don't know what's going on. Mm. That's probably the leading thing to my fears probably not knowing what's going on mm. i wouldn't say like going going crazy is my fear but like just not being able to figure out what's going on and like i said before i'm very like goals driven and i like things to be done in a segmented way mm-hmm. and if things are happening i guess i don't maybe i don't it could be that i don't like being in control because i definitely don't like being out of control but even more so I don't like it when I don't know what's going on and what's not coming up. It's different for like, oh, I don't know if it's going to be raining tomorrow or I might lose my job tomorrow. It's not like that. It's just talking in the greater scheme of things. Just like, um, if I'm not able to ground myself and be comfortable in a place, then I'm, I feel like I'm just going to lose it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that freaks me out a bit. Um, what scares you about losing your mom? Uh, hmm. Give you a little bit of context. I didn't really lose anyone in my life until I lost my grandmother. And it was like right before graduation. And she was gonna like come out to CCA and like pay for everyone's tickets and stuff. And... When she passed away, I was like, wow, this is really sad. And I like cried a bunch. And then I went home for the funeral and I had to, my mom and then my dad and myself were getting out of the car to view the body at the funeral home. And my mom came out of the car and I'm like, fine. I'm like, all right, we're going to go do this. We're going to look at grandma. Um, and my mom's like, all right, I'm going to go look at my mom. She's not there. This is just her body. Sure. Her soul is in heaven. She's. This is just a, just her body. And we go in there and she looks at her and I'm like behind her. She's with my dad and they walk up in front of me and they look at the body and my mom was like, she was crying. She was definitely feeling it, but she was taking it and she was accepting it. And then I went up there and I thought it was just going to be like, like seeing my grandmother in a casket. I involuntarily broke down. I have never, ever been out of control and cried like that. It was such a different thing that I had never experienced. It's bubbly me. Like, not saying I don't get sad ever and don't feel emotions. I definitely feel emotions. But it was one time that I just couldn't have control over myself. And it really screwed me up. It, like, really, really freaked me out. Um... What, what freaked you out about it? The fact that my grandmother was now gone. Mm. Um, the fact that I'm such a... Um, we're designers. We look at details. We judge everything. Mm-hmm. The fact that I could look at the casket and see my grandmother's body and see that like her lips weren't like that. Mm. Her eyebrows weren't like that. And seeing all these different things and showing that, like yo, literally... 
like the last time you saw your grandmother was the last time you saw your grandmother like this is this may be her body but that's not how she looked Mm. and that that freaked me out so much um just the fact that i had um like the only context i had wasn't the context that i remember if that makes sense the only context i had the memory of how my grandmother looked in my head and then seeing her in a casket and seeing her just look a teensy bit different but we pick out those details it's just like this is like i I don't know i just felt so lost um and then i just like had this like sadness come up out of me and then i like had to go behind the like wall thing and like just i was bawling out i was the worst one there Mm. and it was i'm not sure why it was maybe it was because i hadn't been there maybe it was because i wasn't really a part of the process of saying goodbye or anything like that like the rest of the family was and they had all seen her days before if not the day before like Mm. or the day before she passed like it was just so so brutal um the feeling i had and it was such a strong emotion and i don't usually i have emotions but i don't typically have ones that are that strong to make me just collapse and cry so that kind of screwed me up um and i guess to go back to the question of like why i'm afraid of losing my mom is because i don't know how i'll react when it's actually my mother in the casket not my grandmother you don't know how to react i don't know how i will react Mm. um and i don't know like i get a text from my mom every day if I don't get that text anymore mm. um, what does that mean for your life for it's definitely a thing like it'll go on I'll definitely love the fact that I have those texts that she did send that text maybe I'll frame because she sends me the same thing every day mm-hmm. um, but it's just a thing of like I feel like I'll be, it's just another, it's one of those tools in my box that I no longer have yeah. and I'll never get back. And it, that's probably one of my biggest fears. Losing my mom, losing one of, one of your questions was like the top five people. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my top five things would be losing. One of the things that would fear me the most is losing those top five people. Yeah. Um, I used to be very oriented around objects. I used to love, I mean, I still love cars, I love bikes and everything, but now I've just been gravitating to this way where I just am so more um, interested in my actual people relationships, and it would just absolutely kill me if I was to lose any of those people in my group. And the fact that I think, like, whenever I have those thoughts, it freaks me out even more, and then I have this anxiety circle, and it's, Mm -hmm. like, just bad... Um, but on the brighter side of things, I used to just say like, yes, ma'am, love you too. Respond, text, same thing every day. She sends me the same thing every day. Now I'm trying to just mix it up a little bit. Mm. Um, trying to see like, what is there that I can do again, that makes me be more appreciative of this moment. Right. Um, what makes me, so that when I look back, how do I make this moment more of a memory? So that when I look back on this, I'm happy that I sent that message and not just, yes, mm-hmm. ma'am, love you too. Maybe, yes, ma'am, love you too, and God bless you. You have a good night as well. Yeah. Like, maybe that, I'm like, yeah, good. I threw something back at her. Like, 
Um, I wasn't just doing the minimum viable product, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to, that's one of the things, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've just been getting hit with so many emotions lately and it's been fucking me up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, cause years ago I, you ask any of my exes like, yeah, he just doesn't show emotion. I don't get it. <laughs> and now it's like, I love showing emotion. I love being, showing all the, like, the positive sides of everything. But now all the, like, I've just been in the past year, like, not in the past year, in the past couple of months, just been getting hit with all these other different types of emotions. It's like, oh, what are all these things? Yeah, <laughs> Can yeah. you just, like, chill and come back on another day? <laughs> or just only be, like, one day a week? I don't want all this crap, man. Like, right. not that I shouldn't say I don't want it, but, like, it's just, like, fuck it. I don't want it. I don't want all of it right now. Like pause all the negative stuff and just give it to me at another date or something like that. And the worst part is that there's sometimes you can't get out of it. Sometimes none of the tools in your toolbox are the right tools to use for the way you're feeling. And you just don't have that tool. And all you have is yourself and your sorrow and it sucks. Mm -hmm. And that's a really crappy thing for me to think about as well. Yeah. I started doing this exercise maybe in the last year where I imagine all the people I love dying one at a time. So I'll imagine my dad dying, my brother, my mom, Angela. And then I work backwards and I I imagine it and I feel it like to the core where I I wanna cry because it's so sad. Mm -hmm. And then it makes me act in a way that I wouldn't regret if I died and I didn't do the thing. Mm -hmm. It's this concept I have of, you know, people say like, give them their flowers while they're alive. Mm -hmm. My concept is give them their flowers while you're alive. Mm -hmm. Let them know how much you love them while you're alive. Don't, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think that makes total sense. I've been doing, I've been trying to do something similar of like not waiting to the last minute, like not waiting until it's too late to tell someone something Mm -hmm. like telling you the other night that like, yo, like you guys are moving to Portland. That fucking hurts me and it sucks, but I'm excited because I now have a place to go road trip. And I was like, "Ah, should I send this to Angela too? Like, I want to tell her this. But I don't want to sound like a fucking, like, little emotional junkie. And then, like, I told her it. And it felt great because she was, like, saying that she was going to miss me back as well. And it, it feels good to just have those things up in the air and let everyone yeah. know it. And it's like, yeah, other people feel that shit too, man. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. And people appreciate it when you say those things. Those things feel good to say. Yeah. Um, and, I don't yeah, it, yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking about, but... Because it will happen. Yeah. And These things sucks. will <laughs> yeah. happen. They This is reality. We're humans. We can't avoid death. We might as well act like it will happen. Yeah. And then live life accordingly, right? I feel like there's there's something about the acceptance period that just has been taking... I feel like it just takes so long to just accept it. It's like you can't just be like, today was a great day and if everyone was gone like I'd feel like garbage and they would just be gone forever because just people die and now I'm sad 
But now that I've accepted that, I can get back to being happy. No, that's not no, how it works. No, no. Not how no. it works at all. Definitely not. You get in a you get in a funk and you just gotta acknowledge it and not run away from it. You can't put your boxing gloves up and try and fight the negative demon thoughts out of your mind. Yeah. Because a lot of times they're honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and there's this thing that happens when you start just fighting them instead of accepting them. As years go by, they'll add up and they'll add up and they'll add up until you're like, you can't, there's no way you can avoid it. Yeah. It's like when life wants to teach you a lesson, you're going to learn that shit. Yeah. And if you don't learn that shit, it's going to kill you. It's yeah. going to make you sick and emotionally depressed and anxious and all that shit, yeah. you know? But I feel like... Because I definitely feel like that's been happening with me. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've been having to catch up for... I don't know. I don't know what's been happening. But, like, I definitely feel like... I agree that, like, when life wants you to learn something, you're going to learn that shit until it feels right. And then maybe it'll still it'll still be engraved in your mind but like you can still go on from it but um i i feel i have this like weird victim feeling of like i've been like i'm not like bullshit a happy person like like i've just been able to i'm a very appreciative person mm. and i I'm genuine to a lot of people. I'm not the guy that's just like, oh man, you guys are so great, man. I love hanging out with you guys. And they'll hang out with them for another six months and be like, yeah, we should hang out more all the time, man. Like, I'm not that type of guy. At least I try not to be that type of guy. I Thank like God. Him. Yeah. Yeah. That guy, <laughs> that guy sucks. Because then you're like, oh yeah, he's so happy all the time and blah, blah, blah. But like, I feel like I've been, basically I'm saying I've been genuinely a positive person and then I've been just hit with this like wave of negativity that is just it's not I should it's negativity but it's also just reality and honesty mm -hmm. and um it's just like why is this happening to me I didn't do anything to deserve this like I've just been like I just want to go back to my normal self and having my normal thoughts and being able to really engage in the present and everything and so I've that that's been pretty confusing to go through um it's just like um i go into the mode of problem solving and trying to track down like thinking through all the past days and weeks like was there one point where this just started and made me you know um yeah what give like what gives life meaning what gives life meaning? Definitely for me, people and hobbies. Mm -hmm. um, people, because it just feels good. You get that energy around you and it feels good to talk. It feels good to... Storytelling? Oh, I love storytelling. Mm. I love hearing stories. I love... I love hearing stories in this manner. Like, genuine storytelling. Like, not the, at lunch, like, oh, this weekend, like, we were fucking rafting, and a fucking bear jumped out on a raft, man. It was gnarly. <laughs> like, I don't, those stories are cool, they're in the moment stories, but, like, the stories that really teach you things, mm. learning, learning gives life meaning. Mm. Um, where you're able to just be around people that, they go through something, and they learn something, and it teaches you something as well. Like, oh, shit, I do that stuff as well. 
Um, my hobbies, because they are a, definitely a thing that bring me happiness. They're a thing that um, can help me attain my goal of getting other things. I can rebuild bikes and make money off of the bikes to get other bikes or get other cars and stuff like that. And it makes me feel good to go on back roads in California and just drive and listen to the car, listen to the bike, listen to the engine, all that stuff. That makes me definitely feel uh, like I'm alive. It makes me feel good and gives it meaning. Um, but yeah, I definitely say my hobbies and the people around me mm. that I uh, truly cherish, yeah. What do you think happens when you die? Well, I'm a Christian, so I'm pretty sure that my, not pretty sure, I believe that my body will go into the ground or go six feet under, all that good stuff, and then I'll go up into heaven, be chilling. Mm. Hopefully they got weed in heaven, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's got it, it's, he put it on this earth, man, so, <laughs> it's just natural, so I don't know. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's. That's definitely what I believe. Mm. Um, I've been believing that since I was a child. Um, it's something that keeps me grounded for sure. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say that I've been questioning that at all, but I've definitely had uh, thoughts of like the wanting to figure everything outside of my mind as I get older. Mm. Um like what? Like, is that really what happens? Mm. Do you really, do you come back as a tree or maybe? Or do you fucking <laughs> like, are you just gone? Mm. Like, is your consciousness gone? What does that mean? Like that, what if, what if that's what happens? What, how, how does that make you feel? It freaks me out. Why? Because you don't like, then what is this at the end? Like it, it freaks me out because... I don't know. It it just because then there's just it's just over, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just because of the end. It freaks me out because I don't know because there is no next chapter, and you just have to. It's like, hey, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at that point, assuming. Like, in this other scenario where, like, your consciousness just goes to nothing. Okay. Then that's nothing. You can't really be afraid of it. You're not going to really care when it's nothing because you're not going to be anything to care about. You know what I mean? You're nothing at that point. You're nothing at that point. So, in that scenario, then, boom. Just, there's just nothing, I guess. Um, And that's, that's a scary thing, but... um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say that. So, before my last question, like I said, I believe in giving their pe- giving people their flowers before you are gone. Mm-hmm. So I want to show you gratitude. Uh, one for just coming on the podcast, and second for being such a positive upbeat 
person that gives people the permission to be the same. Gives people the permission to be just as positive and open and friendly and welcoming as you are. Um, I think that you're, you're a light to the world and when people see you, they want to be happy. And that's a great gift. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. That makes me feel really nice. <laughs> <laughs> so last question. We as humans put up statues of people. Uh-huh. Not because we love those people, but because we love what those people represent. If you think of people like George Washington, MLK, Gandhi, right? When you pass on from this life and the world puts up a statue of you, what do you want that statue to represent and where would you want that statue? Mm, that's dope. That's when someone fun. sees, when you, someone from another place comes and visits the statue, what do you want that statue to mean to them? And what it would say, right? Mm-hmm. What I'd want them to get from it. I'd say one of the greatest lessons that I've learned from being out here and coming from where I come from is it feels really nice and it makes things really fun to enjoy when you're not trying to be someone else and when you're actually vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and Philadelphia, or in Upper Darby, and just the way a lot of people I know back home are, you, not, not that, you can't, you can't, you really can't be a softy, or you'll get ran over, you'll get the shit beaten out of you, X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. Um, and that just sucks for whatever amount of reasons. But it doesn't show that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. To it doesn't say that it's wrong to be open and be vulnerable and be able to have real conversations, talk about real feelings, and have real goals in life. Um, I think that that is something that a lot of people don't know. And I one of the specific things that I've always wanted is to just have people that are like me and like the people in my family that are young to just kind of have that GTI experience that I had mm. um, and go to like my friend's house that they, that I went to. Um, I would look out for those people. I would look out for the people that don't know that this is all available to them. Um, I'd look out for like the people, like the place where I come from. I'd say that those guys need to know that they're really capable of doing some crazy fucking shit Mm. um and they just don't know it Mm. um i'd want to be able to somehow have a statue that exposes them to i guess what i've become Mm. exposes them to show that this shit is possible Mm -hmm. um expose them that there's something different out there uh but it would have to be in such a cool, funky way to make it seem like, look at this fucking wild ass motherfucker. <laughs> um, 
maybe it would be a, it could be like a statue of me and like hammer pants and my colorful hammer pants mm-hmm. when I go to a rave or something like that. I would want the statue to be me for sure. No bullshits there. Yeah. I'd want the statue to definitely be of me having a good time. Um, but from that statue to be able to, yeah, maybe that would be it. Maybe it's a statue of me having a good time with my big cheese and face Listening to like some deep house music, having with a good time. Arm up. With my arm Dancing. up. Yeah. <laughs> arm up, maybe with my, my like favorite hoodie on, like colorful hoodie. And just grooving and being like, yo, that guy's having a good fucking time. Mm. He looks like a fucking hobo. <laughs> he he looks like a like a goofy motherfucker. Like he looks like a like a crazy guy, but you can't deny that that guy's not having a good time. Mm. Um, and above anything, he looks like a weirdo. He looks like he's just doing some crazy stuff and he looks like he's having a good time, but he's just one like snapshot of what, like basically you look at that guy and be like, he got there and he's able to have a good time and no one else gives a shit. Mm. Um, and maybe from that people could learn that you could also figure out what it is that you want. You could have fun doing it, and then do it, and then no one else is going to give a fuck. Mm. Like, I don't give a fuck if there's a statue of me up with me in hammer pants and colorful stuff, like, balling out, having a good time. Like, that's rad to me. Like, that would be cool. If people could basically have a, I guess this is, maybe this is a snippet of it. If there's a statue of me cheesing, dancing, having a good time, and it's just like, maybe, maybe I don't know what the saying would be, I guess. Um, maybe that's what you're looking for, but if, um, it would be something along the lines of, like, this guy followed his dreams, or this guy is just, like, having a good time, or something like that, Mm -hmm. you could also have this good of a time if you just ignore all the other bullshit, or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all getting stuck. Maybe it's just, I, the statue is definitely down. The design of the statue is done. But I think it. I think it's useful to have the storytelling aspect of it, because it it lets people relate. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like the statue, and then it's like Isaiah Jones grew up in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, and he decided to go to California for school, and he ended up getting into music, and he ended up working for this company and doing whatever, and living in San Francisco. And he, the thing he loves more than everything is like dancing. Dancing, having fun with his friends or something like that. Um, and if I get nothing out of people but a smile from that, you know, if it's a goofy smile, like this guy's a, like a crazy motherfucker or whatever, good. I got a smile out of it. If they get like, wow, he's so weird. That's so cool. Like, mm. that's what I want. I want people to be like, it's okay to be like kind of different and be weird and have a good time. I don't know. I don't know if that really answers your question. No, that's good. But that's definitely... That's, I haven't thought about that. That's a good one. I would totally love for people... Because I don't want to be like a... I don't want to have a statue of like me in a business suit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, being like, yeah, he was successful. Like, eh. Yeah. I don't want that. I want something that's going to be a little weird. Mm-hmm. And show people that you should be a little weird. You should be yourself. Because we're all weirdos. Yeah. Just some people cast it out cast out the weirdness so that they fit in yeah um yeah 
you should definitely accept the weirdness and just party with it. Yeah. Dope. Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. That was dope. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you or someone you know would be interested in being interviewed for the Earthian podcast, reach out to us on Instagram at WeAreEarthian. And of course, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you and have a beautiful day.